Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Good morning. Welcome to Torah Study. I'm Pastor Lydia, standing in for Pastor Scott. He wanted me to tell you guys that he and Pastor Larry have been praying diligently at the Western Wall this morning for everybody, and they had a powerful time of prayer. And God is working. They were, it's going to show today on the video that um, they were able to greet and meet an airplane coming from Poland for all the Ukrainian people to get to come to Israel. So it's exciting. I get excited just thinking about all the stuff we're partnering with and what we're doing. We're still doing things in our community, and I know we don't always uh, hear a lot about that, what we're doing here in the city, but we're. We are doing outreaches and things just like we're doing over in Europe. <laughs> Amen. The Torah portion today is 25. Tazav, it's about the temple offering secrets in Leviticus 6 through 8. Uh, the title I have today is A Sacrificial System of God. And I thought about that when I was reading this, and I thought, man, Leviticus was the hardest chapter to read the hardest book to read and you get started and you stop because it's like oh my gosh (laughs) and everybody thinks it's so boring but when I was uh getting into all this it's just like wow there's so many golden nuggets so many treasures hidden in this uh book and it's like god just make it easier for us to read these things and understand understand them. But he really um, puts everything together. I mean, we just had Purim with Esther, her giving herself as a living sacrifice. And here today we're talking about his sacrificial system that he gives us and how important it is. And, you know, growing up and even today, a lot churches are just not giving us the whole revelation on the sacrificial system that God, you know, put out for us. Revelation twelve eleven says, and they, meaning us, have overcome, conquered him by means of the blood of the lamb. And thinking about that and what's going on with me today, it's like, thank God I have conquered the enemy in all the circumstances that he's trying to bring about um, because of Jesus, because I know Jesus, I know the power that he has, and I know circumstances brought about by the enemy or just natural. I can overcome all of that with a great attitude and, and move on and still be, have my heart right with God. Amen? And I know that's a hard thing to do sometimes <laughs> when things come up. And sometimes, you know, we get sidetracked and forget, you know, I have the peace of God. I know I'm going to get through this. And it's all because of our belief and faith in Jesus and what he's done for us and how we have taken our time and effort to change our hearts and to change the way we think about things. Amen? Today's Torah study is about digging deeper into the power of the sacrifice. In the parashah Tezav, it contains detailed instruction on the various types of sacrificial offerings God commanded us to bring. 
We're going to dig into a deeper understanding of God's plan with the sacrificial system. And it's really exciting when you learn about all of it. And, and a lot of things we're already doing uh, because we know God. Uh, but it's just like, okay, remind us, oh God, why <laughs> we need to constantly be presenting ourselves as a sacrifice. Uh, it'll give you a different picture or outlook from the traditional religion and replacement theology translations we've grown up with and that are still being taught today, unfortunately. <laughs> Most believers are unclear or don't think about the significance of the Old Testament offerings because religion teaches everything is fulfilled and replaced by Jesus. And it's true that Jesus' sacrifice, his sacrifice transformed many, many things uh, but we need to know that there's more to the story, amen? There's always more, no matter what we're being taught, no matter what we think we know, <laughs> God has all, he's always giving us more to give us a, a deeper revelation of his word and what he wants from us as his partners, because we are his partners. Understanding Leviticus I'll say that again. Understanding Leviticus <laughs> is a key to fully appreciate the height and the depth and the width of the sacrifices of the Lord. And it's like just understanding why they gave sacrifices, why we should today still sacrifice through our faith and our words and our actions the things that we need to do um, because that is his system. That's his order. That's how we become better. That's how we get the revelation of what he wants. Amen. Tazav means to command, cha charge, or appoint. It also means to connect. The sages teach us sacrifices are our connection to Yahweh. Our connection. And I thought, man, we don't always think of our sacrifices as a connection to God. But it is a, a deeper connection. And... We, think, we always think, okay, that's what they did. And when did that come about? Was it always? But Abraham, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, they all built altars and offered sacrifices. And even though we read them, we didn't have the, relation, the revelation of why. You know, a lot of it was they were thanking him, but, you know, it was always a part of God's plan for us to give sacrifices. Um. In the New Testament times, Yeshua is our once and for all ultimate sacrifice so we don't have to kill animals. Thank God we don't have to do everything they did back in the day. Amen? I don't even know how we could even bring ourselves to do that because as a pastor and Scott has already has taught before, um, they had to do those sacrifices themselves when we first read it or how I read it or received it is the priests would do it for them. But really the deeper we dug into what they had to do for themselves, they had to take the animals and they had to sacrifice them. And I'm like, I really don't think I could have done that. I mean, it's a, and that's a big commitment. And just like they did that through our faith and how we live our lives, we have to have that same commitment that they did, even though we don't have to kill animals, but we have to kill our, our a human, our flesh. <laughs> we have to kill that to be more involved, to be more uh, devoted and surrendered to God. Levit Leviticus 6, 8, and 9 
is where the Lord told Moses to tell Aaron and his sons about the law of burnt offering. The Hebrew word for offering is korban, and you've heard Pastor talk about it, and it means to draw near in an ultimate way. Through Jesus, we draw closer to God, especially when we give our offerings. When we give our offerings, our tithe, our stedka, we are, we are or should be reflecting how our Father's divine nature and being a light to the world. And we do that because look how much, how many finances and things we've given to, uh, for pastor to be able to go over to Israel and to help the people in Ukraine, to help the homeless over there, to help the Holocaust survivors. That is us giving our sacrificial offerings through Stedka to do that. And sometimes we don't even think about it like that. We just go, okay, pastor is talking about this. We just want to give. No, that's a sacrificial offering. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, and Scott talks about him all the time, wrote an article about the purpose of the sacrifice called Understanding Sacrifice, plain. (laughs) It says, we love what we are willing to make sacrifices for. That's why when Israel was a nation of farmers and shepherds, they demonstrated their love of God by bringing him a symbolic gift of their flocks and herds, their grain and fruit, because that was their livelihood. To love is to thank. To love is to want to bring an offering to the beloved. To love is to give. He says, Jonathan Sachs says, sacrifice is the choreography of love. And I thought, man, just thinking about the, how it's planned and how you demonstrate it and how you put it all together. And just like they did, um, we do it that way too with our livelihood. Jesus said this way, where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. <laughs> and sometimes we forget about that. You know, where our treasure is, where is our treasure? Sometimes we just need to ask ourselves that. Where is our treasure? Because whatever is truly in our heart, that's where our treasure will go. (laughs) So why is it only 5% of Christians tithe? And I had to look that up. I'm like, wait a minute. (laughs) Out of 247 million people uh, that say they are Christians, only 1.5 million tithe. And I was just shocked when I read that statistic. And I'm like, wow. Because we know what we are supposed to do. And even though I know sometimes it's hard, but like the widow woman, she gave what she could, even though it was minute to some people. And, you know, we need to remember that that's how we need to be. Uh, What's even more shocking to me, or was, is that the Muslim people give more than any other religion. And I'm like, how could that be? But then I thought about it, and I said, well, I'm not sure if that's forced giving or not. You know, if they don't give, you know, are they going to get killed or somebody in their family or, or, you know, put out there to be a sacrifice for their religion? So I thought, okay, but as Christians, we should not be in the latter ranks of those that give. I mean, it should just, we should be excited to give because it's thanking God for what we have. This morning, I'll be going over the, fo- the following five major offerings that the Bible talks about in Leviticus. The burnt offering, or olah, the grain offering, menka, the peace and thanksgiving offering, shalaman, or shalom, sin or purification offering, kata, guilt or restitution offering, asham. Each offering led or pointed Israel to the accomplishment by the Messiah, who in addition to Passover, Pentecost, Yom Kippur, Sukkot, and the red heifer offerings, personified and brought to life 
each one of those offerings. So Jesus brought the offerings to life for us. And I'm like, wow. (laughs) You know, you think, okay, he died on the cross. Thank God that he decided to go ahead and do it. But through all the things that he did, he compacted or did every single offering that I'm going to be talking about today. He took it all for us. Even though the sacrificial system has been transformed, all of God's divine principles and purposes, they all remain intact for us to understand, to learn about, and to do. We just do it in a different way, but it's still the same offerings or the same sacrifices and offerings. The problem or even danger of not studying these concepts, and I called it a problem, but I even called it a danger, is that we miss the deeper meanings of each offering and end up relying on the doctrine of men and religious interpretations. And it's like, that's why we study. We read the word for ourselves so we can understand it the way we understand it. And we ask God to give us that revelation, to give us that knowledge, so that we understand it the way he wants us to understand it, and not just taking for granted um, the interpretations that people give. There's one thing we know that the enemy doesn't want you to do, want you or I to have, and that's a revelation in the area of sacrifice. Because if we did, our knowledge of what's being given would take your faith and my faith to a whole new level of awareness, thankfulness, and prosperity. And that's probably why a lot of churches don't talk about it, because they just don't have that revelation. But that's why the Bible, just like I said before, Study to show yourself approved because the enemy will always do something to try to keep us from knowing what God wants us to know. I mean, that's just one of his strategies. You know, I don't have a time to sit and read. You know, I don't have, uh, I don't understand what it's talking about, so I'm just not going to do it. (laughs) And I, you know, and I think about it and my kids think it's so funny because when I study, I mean, I have like, five different books out here and translations and, and everything. And I love the Amplify because to me it just puts it in a way or a language that you can understand. It's just plain. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, okay, I've always read the King James, but when you start looking at different translations, it clicks something in your mind that goes, okay, I get that. I get that now. Okay, I understand that how it's said here. But in King James, I'm like, okay, I just read it, and it just went over my head, and I'm like, okay, I I read it. (laughs) So then you wait for somebody to explain it to you. But uh, when you have different translations, and I got this one Bible, had five different translations in it, so it's like this thick. But but I like it because I can go all the way across and read and see what each one is talking about. But it's just like, man, God. I want to know more. I want to know every little detail. I want to know everything you want us to know. So when I get confronted by the enemy, I won't fail. I won't fall. I won't stumble because I know what your word says. And sometimes it's hard to, you know, keep that, you know, doing that. But it's like, you know what? I just want everything you have. (laughs) That reminds me of when I went to this conference and, um, uh, Kenneth Copeland's wife, Gloria, was there, and so I got to meet her, and uh, I went up there and got, grabbed her hand and said, oh, I'm so glad to meet you, and shook her hand and everything, but then I held on to it, and she just kind of looked at me, and you're like, okay, she's not letting go, 
And I just said, I just love, you know, your spirit. I love everything. And I just want a double portion of what you have. <laughs> and she said, and you shall have it. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. And then I had to come back and teach here to the women. And, and I mean, I was fired up. I said, if I could have put a blonde wig on, I would have just so I could just kind of at least look a little bit like her up there. But, you know, that's how God wants us to be. Like we can look him when we pray, look him right in the eyes and say, you know, I want everything you have. I want a double portion of what you're giving Pastor Larry (laughs) or, you know, of anybody. And that's how we should come to God asking him for stuff like that. And the Bible says he's faithful to give it. Hebrews 10, 10 through 12 says, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Yeshua HaMashiach, Once and for all, we have been made holy. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again. He offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when we, when this priest had, when this priest, Yeshua, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So even though people get up and they, you know, and the priests back then got up and they would do the same sacrifices every single day for everybody, continuously, you know, but none of it took away the sins. Uh, it was symbolic of taking away, but did it really? How do we know how those people were after the fact when they gave their offering? But with Jesus, he did it for everything, took for our sins, and he's in turn don't have to do it again and again and again. He went to go sit next to his father. Amen. And when you think about that, it's like, God, Jesus, thank you <laughs> so much. And I can look at what you did when you lived here on earth. I can see all the sacrifices you did for me so that I could be a better person. And now he sits there telling God about me. <laughs> when something comes up, he's whispering to God, No, she did this or she's doing this. Yeah, I know she missed it here. But because of what I did, the sacrifice that I made, God, I want you to lift her up. And, you know, and thank God he does it for all of us, for all of us. And I just get excited just thinking about things like that when I read it. I'm like, yeah. And sometimes Scott is talking to me while I'm trying to study. And I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. And then I said, I am trying to study. But we can't say anything when he's studying. <laughs> so, and I think it's just so funny because he, when he studies, he's got to tell, tell you about it. And I'm like, I'm studying, and I, I just keep it all in until it, something comes up, and then I'll bring it up. But he has to repeat, 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 so he gets it. And I'm just like, I'm studying. Can you be quiet? <laughs> The first three of the sacrifices are free will offerings that people would give or bring to God at any time during the day. The last two offerings were required whenever someone sinned. Each of the latter was meant to be a physical expression of an inward devotion to the Lord. So let's dive into each of these offerings, a sacrificial system God developed for us to follow. The first one, the Ola or burnt offering, was a free will offering. It was not offered to atone for specific sins being committed. The Hebrew meaning for the word olah is to come near. It has the same root as the word aliyah, 
which is used to describe ascending to the podium to read from the Torah scroll. That's why it's also known as an elevation offering. The burnt offering was also an elevation offering or offering of ascent. More than any other sacrifice, the old law represents complete surrender to God. This sacrifice declared that their life is not their own, and we all know that. Our lives are not our own. It's given out of overwhelming gratitude for being forgiven and for the desire for our lives to be completely consumed in the service of Almighty God. And isn't that what we want? We want to be completely consumed and be in the service of Almighty God. Whether we work here at the church or whatever we're doing, we still can be in the service of Almighty God. This was the reason this offering was made every morning and evening of every single day. Can you imagine having to go do that offering every single day? <laughs> to maintain, it was to maintain a harmonious relationship with the Lord. Jesus' willingness to lay down his life demonstrates the kind of total dedication we see in the burnt offering. I mean, that was dedication for Jesus to go ahead and do what he did, even though he knew every single thing that was going to happen. And, you know, and like Pastor said, I don't know. I don't think I would have died, you know, for anybody else. But, <laughs> but you know, and Jesus, he knew that. He was going to have to be beaten. He was going to have to go through all of that just so we could be saved, so we our sins could be forgiven. And it's like, I mean, how much, how much can we thank God for that, for giving us his son to do that for us? How much can we praise the name of Jesus? Can we uh, just thank Jesus for doing what he did? I mean, it's probably not a, there's probably not enough thank yous in this whole world that we can even think of to thank him for doing what he did. So that's why we live our lives as a living sacrifice to him because of what he did. Jewish wisdom also teaches this would atone for hidden thoughts of the heart, which speaks to the transforming of the inner man, the spirit of a man. This is the first step in God's plan to replace the corrupt nature of man with his divine nature and exchanging a heart of stone for a heart of flesh. And I thought, okay, so this is just, I mean, th just think about that, to atone for hidden thoughts of the heart. And, and we all have thoughts and we never say, say it. <laughs> we never say everything that's in our heart, that's in our that comes to our mind, and sometimes we don't need to say it because everything creates. So, <laughs> so thank God He gave us a way for those thoughts, and you know, and we just can bind them and cast them down. And by faith, we, I'm not going to accept those thoughts. So it's like Hallelujah, <laughs> and that's the first step to replace. Or it says to replace the corrupt nature of man, but it's to defeat our will, defeat our fleshly will of what it wants to do. And a lot of times it's easy for us to just do it because it happens so quickly in our minds that we don't think about, okay, wait a minute, let me think about what I just thought about, or let me think about what it is I want to do. Is that pleasing to God? Is that going to elevate me and get my relationship closer to God? For us today, it's like ha for us today that offering the burnt offering. It's like having an altar call or a prayer of salvation. It's virtually the only offering of the five that the church teaches and promotes in any service. And we're going to have an altar call today. 
<laughs> the church today never takes the believer through any other offerings God gave in Leviticus. It's also why we have rededication prayer. People want to get rededicated. It's just like a burnt offering. The Olaf, Olaf offering is the first and most vital of the offerings, but there is more to it. If you want to experience the fullness of God's blessing and breakthrough power, we need to understand exactly what it is and, and, and what it entails and what we have to do to be like we're doing the burnt offering. The burnt offering is about sacrificing our attitudes, our behaviors, our conduct, and even our addictive desires. And people suffer with addictions all the time. We hear it all the time, all the commercials. If you got this, everything's an addiction. <laughs> an addiction or a disease. <laughs> you know? and, and, and sometimes, uh, well, a lot of people just fall into that. Okay, well, I have this, so it's a disease. I have this, it's, a, it's an addiction. But it, the Bible says it's a desire. And just like the burnt offering, we need to sacrifice ourselves. And guess what? That addiction or that desire will be falling down. Amen? Amen. According to H.com, the burnt offering is, bought, is brought for someone who contemplates a sin but doesn't actually perform the sin. It represents the purification of one's thoughts and the complete surrender or sublimation of oneself to God. And I thought just that alone, if we just did something like that alone, is like, God. I mean, just think our conduct, how we behave, our attitudes, how we treat other people. It's, that is why the people gave that burnt offering. And, and when we think about that, it's like, oh, man, I need to be thanking God and offering up. <laughs> God, I repent, even though I haven't done anything. Just the thought of doing something that doesn't line up with God's word, we need to repent. And then we don't always think about that. The second uh, offering, the menka or grain offering, follows the Olaf offering and is built upon the burnt offering, what the burnt offering has accomplished, which is cleansing of our thoughts and everything. The menka in Hebrew means gift and was another free will offering that consisted of, consisted of fine flour, olive oil, and frankincense, all the things they had, you know, for living. This offering also included salt, which was an ancient symbol of the covenant. And doesn't he say we're the salt of the earth? <laughs> we're the covenant between him and between us and God that we bring to this earth. We bring that covenant here. Again, this expressed a person's dedication and willingness to surrender everything to God. And that's a hard thing to do when you think about it, to surrender everything. I mean, we'd be scared to do anything, <laughs> you know, think about it, because, okay, what am I doing? Am I surrendering to God in every single area of my life? But we're human beings, and we don't do everything perfectly, amen? So we don't need to beat ourselves up. This offering was prepared and baked as bread. It served as acknowledgement that our energy, our labor, our job, our skill, our strength all come from God. So the things that we're good at, we need to remember that it all comes from God. It says God is the one who blesses our efforts and enables us to bring home our daily bread. He enables us to go to work and have a good attitude. He enables us to learn different skills that we've never learned before, just like he anointed all the people to do to 
build the ark. They just picked random people, but God anointed them to be able to be carpenters and whatever he needed, amen? And he can do the same thing for us. That's how I like to look at it. He did it for them. They had no idea what they were doing, just like if you want to change your job. He can anoint you to do a different job that you didn't even think you had skills for. Since the offering is not for specific sinful behavior, it points to how the spirit of the mind and the condition of our inner man is now redeemed and restored to God's original intention. We are new creations in Christ. Hallelujah. (laughs) They did that one. You know, think about it. It's how the spirit of our mind, and I know when we first got saved in Seattle, the whole thing it was was renewing the spirit of our mind, and we need to constantly be renewing the spirit of our mind because it's bombarded with millions of things a day. So we have to decipher all of those things and get rid of things that don't uh, help or please God and keep the things that are going to keep us on the straight and narrow path. Amen. (laughs) The third one, the shalamin or peace offering, is intended to establish, restore, shalom, peace between God and us. Shalom, as we have studied before, means wholeness, completeness, with nothing missing and nothing broken. I like when I always say that, nothing missing and nothing broken on Shabbat because you know what? There's nothing missing in my life that God hasn't put in. And I will not be broken (laughs) because I'm following the Lord, amen? Nothing missing, nothing broken. This was another free will offering that points to the concept that our broken sinful nature is being transformed into a divine nature, state of wholeness in God's sight. Divine state of wholeness. We are whole in God's sight. No matter if we think we're, we're falling short, no matter what it is, we are whole in his sight. Thank God that he looks at us as complete and whole. Our spirit, soul, and body is spiritually intact and completely dedicated to the Lord. And a lot of times when we think we want to do something, our spirit checks us. We have that check. No, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. (laughs) And sometimes we need to recognize that's our spirit telling us, okay, that's not a good idea. (laughs) And it's like, okay, I got it, I got it. Just like the old love in Menka, this this has nothing to do with sins committed. The offering had several categories, including the Thanksgiving offering, in Leviticus 7.12, the free will offering, Leviticus 7.16, and other offerings made after the fulfillment of a vow. When you vow to do something, you're expected to keep that. And it's an expression of gratitude and appreciation for all that the Lord has done in our lives and someone else's life, the gratitude and appreciation. When we're praying for somebody, we're grateful that he has changed that person's life and, and, you know, and as part of this offering. These offerings were also made especially on great feast days such as Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of Weeks, or Feast of Tabernacles and First Fruits. And, I mean, just think of all the stuff that God has laid out for us. <laughs> when I was going through this, I'm like, man, he is covering every single thing that we could even ever think of or do 
in these offerings, and it's like, how did we skip over these things? <laughs> how is it that we're not taught or told about why we give offerings? And all this stuff is, you know, it's included when we give our tithe and our stedka, and we, we forget that it's all in there when we do that because we do it from our heart. We do it because we love the Lord. The fourth uh, offering, the kata or sin offering, also sometimes called the purification offering. Uh, kata means to sin or to miss the mark. So it's the offering that took care of actual sins committed. The la- and I, we talked about the last two being that sin offering. This offering could only be made for unintentional and unpremeditated sins, not for intentional or premeditated and malicious sins. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> for unintentional. And how many times we all sin, and a lot of times it's unintentional. We don't even know that we've sinned, which is why we say, God, forgive me for today. I don't know what it is that I, where I've fallen short, but I know you're faithful to forgive me. And that's this offering. The significance between the burnt offering and sin offering is the burnt offering changes our sinful nature and it's like an altar call or saying the sinner's prayer. Our human nature is exchanged for the divine nature. The katat or sin offering is for sins we commit after we are saved. It's not for changing our sinful nature, but for receiving forgiveness and restoration for sinful conduct and behavior. And I'm like, okay, so he's got something in there when we dedicate our lives to him and we get saved, now he gives us a way to still do an offering, a sacrifice for the sins we commit afterwards. I tell you, I love it that he, he's, he, he doesn't miss anything. <laughs> he doesn't miss anything. Um, Jesus Christ is our katat offering because he was our substitute offering for sin. He took it all on him. Today we have a covenant and by faith we can confess any sin we've committed and receive cleansing and the purifying of our souls all because of Jesus Christ. Thank God for Jesus. The fifth offering is a sham also called the guilt offering but also known as a reparation or restitution offering. The Hebrew meaning of a sham means to fail in one's duty, to be negligent, or to become guilty. This offering was a sacrifice of a ram. This is an offering for being guilty of sin, not for feeling guilty or condemned, but being committing a sin. This type of sin affects our relationship with the Lord and with other people. It shows us that our sin creates a debt to God that, we, that will take reparations paid via the blood of an innocent animal. And I thought, man, and think about that, what, what I just said. A sin that we commit creates a debt to God that will take reparations paid via the blood of an innocent lamb or just, it will take reparations. We need to repent. We need to do something. We need to change so we don't do this again, so God is faithful to forgive us. And, you know, and when we repent, that's this offering. When we repent and mean it, 
<laughs> this offering accomplishes something that accomplishes something the katat does not. It helps us recognize that repentance and forgiveness requires more. What does it require when we repent? It requires action. It requires a real change. The ram offering and an additional 20% value for restitution is what they had to do. It helps and makes a sinner, it helps and makes a sinner address a deeper feeling within him or herself to realize that the sins we commit has real consequences and damages both our relationship with God and with those people around us. This offering is similar to the sin offering. It pays the debt owed to the Lord. Also, the relationship could be restored. So it's like, okay, God, I thank you for this offering because it makes my relationship closer to you. When we repent and ask God to forgive us of even the smallest things, it brings us closer to him. And I'm like, how close can we get? I'm like, I, I'm like, God, I'm all up under you. I mean, you can't even get me. You don't even have a shadow because mine is there. <laughs> you know, and that's the way we should think sometimes because it's like, you know, I want to get so close that he can't even hardly move. When you go hug somebody, like they cannot move because you're right there. And I think that's how we all want to be to God, that we're right there. And I know Pastor told us, you know, just close your eyes and, and just think when you're praying or praising God that you're just right in front of him with your arms up. I said, I've passed that point. I'm, I'm already up at the throne. And, <laughs> you know, and that's where we want to be. We want to be so close that there's nothing that could change us, nothing that can interfere with what we're doing, nothing that can even get us to stray a little bit because, first of all, we can see the enemy. <laughs> We can identify what he's doing. And that also this just, you know, will help our relationship with God and draw us closer. And our whole lives can be restored because we've all sinned. And isn't that what we need? We always pray, God, restore what the, what the canker worm has stolen. Restore what I've left behind, what I've given away, what I've lost. And that's what this does. A guilt offering atones for sins against the Lord's holy things like neglecting to pay your tithe, failing to re redeem the firstborn son back then, or sins involving a breach of trust, fraud, deception, and theft. And boy, there's a whole lot of people out there nowadays who need to do this <laughs> because people are, I mean, look at all the fraud that they keep saying is happening out there. And thank God we are covered you know, through the blood of Jesus, that that fraud will not touch us. You know, and I thank God and remind him every day, nobody can break into any of my accounts. Nobody can do anything with my home. Nobody can do anything with my car. Nothing that I have, I won't have to think about any of this. And I ask God every day to give me eyes to see so I can see deception. So I can see it, so I can avoid it, so I can point my finger and say, this is a deceit from the enemy. <laughs> and we need to really be on top of that because it's all around us, but we have eyes to see and ears to hear according to what God said. He said we have that, and we can ask him for it, and he's faithful to give it. It's important to remind ourselves that just like any other sin offering, 
This must be given with a sincere and repentant heart or it's not effective. And we see people that come to get saved and, yeah, I'm saved, and they turn around and just do the same thing they've already done. Well, they didn't really mean that repentance. Their heart was not changed. Their, their spirit was not moved to totally change the old man. Only this offering has a specific monetary value. And if anyone owed another debt due because of sin, they could pay it in silver back then rather than sacrificing a ram. In addition to the repayment of 20%, the of 20% fee was assessed and given to the priest who mitigated the debt. Today we call that interest. <laughs> and I used to think, why are they having interest and in doing all that stuff? But, you know, because it's our money. Why am I paying interest on my money? I, I still keep thinking, God, you got to show us a way that we can just get rid of that. <laughs> why do we have to pay interest on our own money? I still don't understand how that happens. And it's like, okay, it's not going for taxes. Maybe they should switch it around that way so the interest we pay goes for taxes so we don't have to pay any more. <laughs> According to Aish.com, the sin offerings, both Katat and Asham, atone for one who sins with action, meaning they did what they did solely with their, with their own selfish desires and without thought to go against God's will, that we love one another. So they put to action their own selfish desire to go against it. Sin is much more complex and multifaceted than the church has made it out to be. And, and yeah, and it's sometimes, it's, okay, I sinned, or, you know, if you sin, you know, we hear that all the time, but really sin is a serious thing, and sometimes we don't even think about it. <laughs> so when I read that, it's more complex and multifaceted, and it is. It has made a great, it has made a great, the church has made a great error in saying that all sins are the same before a holy God, because reading this, it's not. <laughs> it's not the same, and, and it, some sin requires more. They are not the same as the book of Levit Leviticus teaches us, and that's why even though it's hard to get through Leviticus, you need to read Leviticus a little bit at a time so you can absorb what it's saying. And it's why a lot of Christians fall short and some die early because they don't know. We must continually fight against our human or fleshly nature. And, you know, we hear this um, talking about the grace of God. And, yes, God's grace covers a multitude of sin. But he has a God-ordained system of, or order, and we must recognize it and live accordingly. Being a living sacrifice, completely surrendered to Almighty God as best we can. And, you know, reading this, and it's like, God, thank you for opening my eyes, for giving us this revelation of what each of the sacrifices and the offerings were. So now I know by faith and because of Jesus, I can encompass all of these offerings through repentance, through asking for forgiveness, uh, just changing how I think about certain things, and also just thanking God that I'm able to do that and that I can see the enemy coming in and trying to distract me from the things that I'm supposed to do and how I'm supposed to think. And that's the most important revelation of all is being able to identify the enemy coming to attack you 
or using his strategies to get you offline with God. Amen.